Um, my name is, I'm, I'm Colin Willis, and thanks for coming. Let me pray if I can. Father, I, I thank you today for these men. All of these men, all of us, have enlisted in your army. And Father, we, we've, we've done that, Father, because of, what, because of your glory and the honor that we can bring to you. Father, we love you. Father, we pre- prepared to serve you. We take that, that enlistment and that oath of enlistment for you, Father, with a great deal of responsibility. Father, we know that when we signed up for this, that we were preparing for the fight. Just as Pastor Brady said this morning, we're prepared for the fight. Father, don't let us shirk that responsibility. Let us run to the fight, run to the battle line. Father, today I ask that we be able to look into the lives of those young men and women, those soldiers, those airmen, those sailors, those coast guardmen that serve our country, that we can look into their lives and see as they prepare themselves for this earthly battle, Father, what it is that we can do to help prepare them in that spiritual battle. For this is, this is not a war of the physical. This is a war of the spiritual, Father. And we want to be a part of that as we go out to serve as new lifers, as those, especially as men. We want to go out and serve in power in your name. And to the extent we can do it, we want to be able to support those young soldiers, those young people who are serving our country. We want to help them, prepare them spiritually to do their job. Father, I just ask a special blessing on this group of men today. Father, I ask that they enjoy this. Father, that we have fun, that we engage in a conversation. Father, I just ask a special blessing. Now, men, let me just look at, look at me real quick. In the... In the in the army, at least, <clears throat> we're going to talk a minute about the culture of the army. Who's in the army? Anybody right now? Okay. In the in the army, they've got their own language. Everybody knows that. One word that they always use is a word called "hua," right? And the funny thing about the word "hua" is it means everything. You can you can use that for anything. You can say "hua," or you can say "hua," or you can say "hua." You can say just you can use it about any tense that you want to, and it means something. It can also mean amen. So today, as I close this prayer right now, I'd like to just as I say and all these powerful men say, let's use the heart out. Okay, you ready? Let's go back in prayer. Father, as we prepare to look at the lives of these young soldiers, Father, just ask a special blessing on this day and on this time together in, in special just kind of discussion about the service of those people, these, these young people. And Father, now I ask that in your most powerful and almighty name. And these great men all said together, <laughs> all right, good, thank you very much. Okay, well, um, I like to use this because I'm, I sort of like to walk around and talk a little bit. And 
what the title of that sheet said was a little bit about the culture of the military and some leadership and stuff. Really what I want to talk about more is about my sense for the American soldier and, and the faith of that soldier. Uh, now when I say soldier, I want, I want to be real careful here. I'm not talking, I want to make sure everybody understands I'm talking about sailors, airmen, coast guardmen, everybody. I'm going to use say, uh, the, primarily pictures a lot because of, uh, of soldiers because we're doing some special things with the 4th Mechanized Infantry down at Fort Carson. And it brings a little special touch to that in my personal opinion. And oh, by the way, I was an Army guy. So give me, give me a little license to use some of these guys that I really love. This means these people mean a lot to me. And I hope they mean a lot to you. Their lie, the fact that they're putting their lives uh, on the line for our country. Um, it just means the world to me. And I, I just, I love every one of them. And I know there are some other people here who have either served, understand that, have children perhaps in the military who understand that as well. You probably know somebody in the military. So, but what I want to do today, real quick, is I want to walk through what, what, this isn't scientific. I didn't look at one stat from any place. I don't, didn't talk to the public affairs office anywhere. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about soldiers from the heart, and I ask if you've got anything that you can add to this, I ask to bring it on. Because what we want to do is look at what a soldier is, then we're going to look at the culture the soldier is raised in, then we're going to, we're going to make some observations about that, and look at ways that you, and you, and you can go alongside those soldiers as they get prepared to go defend our country. Because they need us. They need us desperately. That's my conclusion. I'll give you that up front. So I just, let's, if we can, I'll just walk, that, walk you through this real quick. The American soldier. Just a real quick summary of what I think. The American soldier is an average Joe. What that means is we, we got soldiers who are from every part of the country. They're from every... Uh, class and lifestyle. They are, uh, they do the same dumb things that you and I did in high school. They did the same brilliant things you and I did in high school. But the, the bottom line is there's nothing special. If you look at all of them together, collectively, line them all up in the field, they're just average. They just sum, divided by the total of all those is just average. They're average people. And for that, to me, it makes them even more special. And there's nothing special for, about all of them except that they've decided to enlist to serve the country. But other than that, they come out of the same places we do. They're just average kind of people. I don't know how old, I don't know what, how old they are anymore. I know whenever I see soldiers, they're awfully doggone young, though. They're younger than you. How old are you? Yeah, they're younger than you. 17, yeah, they're they're young. Ted, are they young? I mean, these guys, these folks are young. Now, there, of course, there are sergeants and colonels and stuff that are old. But what I'm talking about generally is the young soldier, the guys on the ground fighting, taking orders, doing what they're supposed to do. They're awfully, awfully young. Uh, now, this is a young man's sport. Too, right? This is a young man's sport. It's, it's tough. It's hard. It's demanding. 
So if you're not physically fit, in some sense, it's it, you're not you can't get you can't stay in the fight. Hence, why we retire. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I put in here the word street smart. You know, the Army let up. It used to be uh, the Army, for a long time, would make sure soldiers were all at least a high school graduate. Not true, necessarily, anymore. Soldiers are very, very smart, though, regardless of what that education level looks like. So while we used to say that they're at least a high school level, some have some college, some don't, I can tell you, to a soldier that they're awfully intelligent, very smart. Many of them are street smart in a, in a different sense. But all of them have a great mind. All of them have a capability to multitask and do some things that are phenomenal anymore. Street smart's a little bit different too in the sense that it's not theory. They've lived the fight. They've been bullied. They have bullied. If we go back to what Brady said today, it's pretty interesting, I thought. That average Joe is a... Talk about the, the language and the culture, that's, it's still there. It's, there's, there's swearing, there's smoking whatever, there's chewing tobacco, spitting. Uh, what, why do they do that? clear that's part of the culture and they want to obviously fit in, right? And you're, you prove yourself essentially to be a warrior when you can do those things as well as anybody else. Most of them have tattoos. I mean, you, you, you've seen a lot of these young people. They are physically fit. Anybody here currently in the Army, did they say? Yeah? Air Force. Air Force? Yeah? Oh, you guys Air Force Academy? Yeah, good. Well, thanks for coming. Physically fit, well trained. Uh, it's it's incredible the kind of training. I I don't I can't say what we do in the Air Force. We do at the Air Force Academy, but the level of training for young people and our soldiers today is absolutely incredible. From the individual soldier and the discipline that comes from that, all the way up to the unit level training, is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, it would be interesting if, if we could ever do it is to arrange to take a group of men, for example, to the joint, um, what's the RDC tab? Joint Readiness Training Center, which is our, and the National Training Center where we actually put forces through, force on force kind of training before they deploy into combat. These kind of, these places are all lasered up, so there's laser shooting going on and there's real-time kills on the battlefield, and all of these kind of things are going on. So the training, even to the point of having uh, uh, either Iraqi or Afghani people serving as the enemy walking around, so it's a battlefield, a, an asymmetric, non-linear kind of a battlefield that you're fighting in in a town where there's civilians having to fight around you, so on. People trained in that extremely well. So. The, the point I want to, I want to make here is in that training now, they're physically fit and they're well trained to do that physical kind of armed combat. <clears throat> Tough as nails. Proud. Proud to a fault. <coughs> Proud to a fault. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a minute.
Andy talked about this a little bit today, but these people are, most of them now have rotated through some sort of, uh, many cases, combat, uh, or they've trained together, or they've come up through the, into a unit where they're in a sort of a cohesive way, so they become brother in arms, brothers in arms, right? That means they're shoulder to shoulder, and what's the re who are they defending when they go into combat? Yeah, what's the, probably all, it's each other. It's not necessarily the American flag, even, right? Although there's a part of that. It's not necessarily the United States of America and the president and all the people back in Missouri. It's not necessarily that. It may be some of that. What it really is, it's because you're my, you're my partner. I'm going to protect you. That's, a bro that's the brother in arm. And that, that extends all the way around through that fighting force. Brothers in arms. Now here's an interesting thing that observation that I make. And I'd be interested to hear some of your other observations. That I think they all, in some fashion, are believers. Now, we won't, we won't see that. And in many cases, in fact in most cases, you don't see an outright display of, of that belief. We'll talk about that, why that is in just a minute. But deep down, and I, again I'm asking if, what's your observation, this, these are my personal observations. Deep down inside, all of those who are serving our country, in my opinion, understand that there's something greater. They sense that. They may not know how to express it. They may not, they may not have been raised in a, an environment that's called faith or religion, but they have some sense that there's a greater God. That's the good news. That's the good news in my opinion. Now, thoughts on that. I'd like to hear what any other, anybody else's observations are. The people who are in the Army and your, your thoughts, or Air Force or whatever. <coughs> I think it seems for like, at least talking about Optimus Doctor, you talk about the Air Force, it seems more like, he's more of a Christian God, like for that generation, at least for my generation in the military, but it seems like our generation now, like, there's so many more, I guess, opportunities, especially at the academy, they try to cater to so many different religions. I think a lot of people believe in a God, not necessarily like a Christian God, like, you know, we look at it, but I think there's, like you said, that still, there's that belief in something greater than themselves and greater than Same. 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 Sir. I think the uh, understanding of the true understanding of what a possible conversion is has kind of lost in meaning. Um, for possible conversion, as far as I'm concerned, I was in the Marine Corps. Was uh, even before we got, you know, had potential being shipped out, we knew where we were going. And it was a time where you, you reflected on where you're going, maybe not coming back. So you want to search for whoever or whatever was out there um, to give you strength, that higher power, so to speak, in God. And, and I think that people think that the foxhole conversion is when you're in battle, you're being the foxhole praying, you know, God will protect for us. I don't think that's it at all. I think I agree with you, by the way, yeah. Ted, you, your thoughts there? I guess 
guess my impression is that, uh, you know, like most of us in this church, there's all, all levels of uh, spiritual maturity. And uh, I think many soldiers don't have spiritual maturity. In many cases these days, particularly, it's not cool to have spiritual maturity, or at least an outward uh, exhibition of that. Uh, however, as soldiers get into, particularly ground guys, if they get into uh, a combat area, and they realize that we're facing death. I mean, I think, I think soldiers become pretty serious about it. And uh, chaplains I know at Carson are very busy. Uh, and and dis busy dealing with tra trauma. How, how do soldiers handle trauma? And I think that kind of forces you to believe in something greater uh, than we know on this earth. But then what, what you find is that when the soldier comes back, I think it returns. You know, again, you get into this, it's, it's not necessarily cool to believe. So, I, I mean, that's that's what I see. I mean, there are, there are very many strong believers, and there are kind of service believers. And I, I agree with that. And again, I, I do believe that for the most part, what we find is they believe in something greater. Now, I'm not going to define that any more than that in my personal observation. I'm not sure I can, I'm not going to go and say, believe this, this, and this, and at this level. I will say that my personal belief is that they're, that, you know, these young soldiers believe in something greater. And sometimes that's captured early on, and sometimes, you know, the idea, the idea would be that they get to know the Lord before they need Him. You know, the old cowboy song. So, I don't know. Sir? Hey, my son's a Marine. He's, he's been in Iraq twice. He's oh, been yeah. And uh, from his two tours in, in Iraq, uh, I mean, he's, he's a Christian, strong in his faith. But I think what it did for his spiritual perspective, I think, uh, <clears throat> it broadened his view of God. I think it's uh, seeing the prayers so many times per day, the horn calling. example of the time we, of the kind of young person I, I absolutely love because that very reason, committed his life to, 
you know, for the right things. Yeah, well, God bless him. Huh? Uh, okay, so we have individual soldiers, a little bit of a definition there, and what, what I think they're about. And again, what, what I see is they're physically fit, they're tough, they're ready to fight, and they have a foundation, an understanding of a greater being. I'm not sure always how well that is developed, but I do, under, I do believe they all have a foundational understanding of some greater being. Let's also then look at the culture that they live in, because now this isn't just a bunch of soldiers living in barracks getting called to go into formation and go to battle. This is a culture of families, very sophisticated kind of a culture that has, that's unique in many ways. Very structured. It's got its own kind of a government. Uh, even down to how the courts are run and kind of punishment that can be delivered when you do wrong. Its own kind of uh, reward and award system and recognition system. Its own kinds of uh, respons responsible chains of command and, and those kinds of things. So it's very, very structured. And different structure than, than most of us live in the civilian life. Second of all, it's very transient. Now, think about this because soldiers typically move at, actually they've lengthened the time of stay on the ground in most stations now. Used to be at about a two-year to three-year mark. People would rotate. They're trying to lengthen that for obvious reasons. That, that brings greater stability. But I want you to all think about this now in the context of why is, is perhaps that soldiers may not be spiritually developed? Transient culture. Let's think, think just keep this in mind. It's very transient. They're moving constantly. What, what's, what's transient imply that it's very hard to commit? My personal experience on that is spending 30 years in the Army, I, I, we, we had 19 different assignments. That was 19 chapels I tried to attend. I never did get to know my brothers in my church. I never had a real support. I knew who they were. I shook their hands. Many of them were soldiers in my unit or my commander. A little bit different, different in that case, isn't it? Because I, I'm still going to salute him on Sunday. And the soldier still going to salute me on Sunday in some cases. So... It's unique in that way. It's transient. It's structured. There's a lot of things in, in this culture that are going on now. Yeah, you know, on that point, another point of it, I was in uh, Cherry Point, North Carolina, for nine months when I was in the Marine Corps. And uh, they had a great, real strong navigators group. And so I'm thinking of the, the term mentoring when you're talking about that. Yeah, now we, what we're, some, some of that yeah, now what we want to do is hold that because yeah. that's where we're going here. That's, I, I don't, I don't want to cut that off because that's, that's ultimately what we want to talk about. So what can we do, given this kind of a culture and the impact it has on soldiers and their beliefs, or airmen and their beliefs, or cadets and their beliefs, what, do we, what can we do as men of New Life Church? What can we do? If we recognize what this culture is about, that's the first thing I think is important that we understand this and the impact of these kind of things. Have their own language and customs. We, we talked about the word hua already. The Marines got a different version 
little bit more guttural than that one. Everybody has their own kind of language. They use a lot of acronyms and abbreviations and, yes, and very rigid kind of language. I-I uh, in the Navy or Roger that or whatever those kind of things are in terms of the language. Cultures, uh, clearly we, we see a, uh, a very disciplined uh, it's, it's almost everything's an order and a response kind of a culture. Uh, not a whole lot of show of emotion. It's mostly, and then you get time off and you let completely go. Young soldiers all have cars. They all love rap. Some love country. Most of them love to play it loud. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Um, and again, they're, they're out and being young people like they should be. And they're typically trying to prove themselves in off time as much as they are on on time. Right? That's, I mean, that's important for them. And, and staying cool and yet going to work the next day and looking sharp. So it's an, that's an interesting culture. And so somebody had a question back or thought? Like another thing to think about too is for people in the military who are married and like their spouses. Like even their spouse, like I think a lot of times they're overlooked, you know, like people try to cater to the soldier or the airman or whoever. But, I mean, even for, like, the spouses, like, I've noticed, like, I'm not married, obviously, but, um, like, I was probably before I came to the academy and just talking with, like, my supervisor and stuff. Like, even when they deploy, like, it's, like, you know, you talked about, like, family and how they're all connected a lot, too. Like, even the wives are, like, a big commit, like, family and connected and, like, I mean, there's, like you said, structure, like, there's rules for everything. Like, even the wives have to live by certain rules. Yeah, like, yeah. Like yeah, they, they, they'll, they'll say that doesn't happen, but that happens. You know, everybody knows the colonel's wife or the general's wife or somebody, right? Uh, yeah, this, there's some interesting points that you just made, and we'll talk about that because I show the picture down here of a, of a married couple. I think this is really, really important. There's another thing before we get to that one, though, I want to talk about, and that's the pace. And again, we're t what I'm leading to here, and I want you to sort of walk with me here, is... So here's the conditions that are being set for a soldier who's prepared physically going to fight. I'm concerned about the spiritual dimension, about the spiritual fitness. And I see that reflected in the number of post-traumatic stress disorder cases that Matthew's talking about next door. So my thought is, we're looking at what can we do given the culture given the environment, given how soldiers live, what can we do to better prepare them spiritually before they go into combat, which is what you were talking about. How do we do that in advance? First of all, again, we've got to understand what that's all about. Let's pick up on this thing called the fast pace, about fast pace, though. Uh, it's awfully hard to understand the rhythm that, young unit, that soldiers and airmen go through in terms of preparing to go off to combat. You can't. You you sitting here won't even come close to understanding what that's about. You're always in a, this cycle. You're preparing for combat. You're in combat. You're returning from combat with a mindset of you're going back to combat. That's the big picture. Day to day, it's even more rushed. Your mind is constantly going like this. Your mind is constantly running. You're constantly worried. You're constantly thinking about the next rotation or deployment, or the next whatever that may be. Maybe it's just a big training, so whatever that is. So, date, so what, what happens then, your time is consumed. 
It's not like you have the luxury in many cases of being able to stop and say, on my time, this is my time to pray. Why? You're, you're in combat, you're under fire, you're rotating out, you're in, in the air, flying somewhere, you're in a tank rolling down somewhere, you're in a light infantry unit in combat in a foxhole doing whatever. That kind of a pace is, is that it actually it, it causes, it's a resistance to being able to, to express some kind of faith and to get committed to a faith, to, to true belief. Believe me, I, I've seen this. So between, between being transient and between and this idea of a fast-paced kind of routine that you have day-to-day, it's awfully hard, believe it or not, to day-to-day to pray to your Lord and to believe it. It's hard to do that. Okay. We're going to go to your point now. Lots of families. How many? I don't know. I think it's somewhere between about two-thirds of the forces married now. Ted, you got anybody have an idea there? Yeah, so it's 50 to, 50% to something, 60% something like that that's married. That, that changes a lot of things. And like you, uh, you say, we have now uh, the, uh, the military has taken that into account. There's a lot of family support infrastructure in place already. In fact, it's overwhelming the kind of structure that's available to support families while soldiers are deployed. It's incredible the amount of energy and the amount of money we put into that to ensure families are safe. And so why is that important? Because soldiers go into combat confident their families are being taken care of. Right? Take that burden off, off their shoulders if you can. Let them fight knowing that somebody's taking care of their family. Now that used to be all voluntary. and used to be sort of, oh, you just go and nobody worried about the families. Most of the time the families didn't, wasn't a big deal. They're, you were drafted in the army in World War II and you just left and your family was still back home with their parents. My mother was that way. They're still back home. They're cared for. Not the case anymore. You move, you live at Fort Carson. About half the people can't live on Fort Carson anyway. They live out in the community. So, so what we have now is this kind of a infrastructure, if you will. But again, that infrastructure has its own kind of chain of command, its own kind of culture, its own kind of language, its own kinds of restrictions. Who's get access to this? How do you make a call? How do you care for the wife and the children and the family? Same kind of things are embedded in that. But it's very, very important that we're talking now about family units, not just about soldiers when we're talking about their faith. Next Sir. I've been out 14 years uh, out of the Army. I still have a family in the Army. Okay? My wife and I get called, we make calls all around the United States to people we live to serve with. Okay? So that family never leaves. It never leaves. Yeah, I agree. I will say, being overseas as well, you have a much more close-knit family yep. and community. I was in, I was uh, just recently got back from Turkey for a 15-month tour in Turkey, and the amount of support that families had for each other was just amazing. Yeah, and why is that? 
you're set in conditions together. It's a little bit like what Brady talked about. We had to go into this fight together. So you tighten up, don't you? You really come in closer. You mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, my best friends are who I was in the first joined the army with, and that was in Europe. You know, I, I talk to them daily almost, still today. So, uh, Built-in support, we talked about that. Very diverse. Uh, one thing we can be proud of in the, in the military of this country is that uh, we've been fully integrated. Uh, there's, there's respect. There's diversity is accepted uh, as long as you live by the same uh, results-oriented kind of uh, challenges that, you know, that, that everybody has to face. As long as everybody meets that, there's no issue there. I won't say there's no issue. There's some. We still have don't ask, don't tell kind of issues. We still have females in the barracks along with men. We've got a whole bunch of those kind of things day to day, but they're not huge problems. They're not huge problems. Believe me, compared to what the rest of the world seems to make of it, they're simply not. They listen to Rush, by and large. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't know if they do over the Air Force Academy. By and large, I would say it's a very conservative group. Now... No. Absolutely. A lot of things. Discipline. Come to work on time. You, you're going to get your money's worth. You know, I hire young people in the current the job that I'm, and I try to find young people coming out of first term enlistment because I know what they've just been through, and and I can I don't have to worry about that part of their development. I know they've been disciplined. They have a sense of honor, sense of integrity. They know how to get along with people. Those kind of things. I understand that all up up front. So I'm more inclined to go find somebody that served in the military when I, when I hire young people. Uh, let's talk about that very last one, though, real quick. I don't know if you can see this, but most of these guys are wearing an American flag on there. Oh. Most of those guys are wearing an American flag on their shoulder. Well, why do I make that point? They represent America wherever they go. It's idealistic and patriotic. But look at the other part, above all. They're not, they're not fighting for God, are they? Or at least, that's not what the drill sergeant says. You're fighting for your country. Now, I want to make this point. It's a very subtle one. It's an observation of mine for, for many years. Is it's, It would be awfully hard to say, let's go fight for God. I mean, this isn't a crusade by any means. But what it does, it produces a little bit of a counter against those people who say, I have a higher God. I have something higher than the United States of America and President Obama. It's hard to say that because institutionally we are saying that the highest thing we have to honor is the country. Are you with me? Now, it's a subtle issue, and I don't, I'm not saying that's wrong or right. I'm simply saying 
my observation is that what soldiers are trained to, to believe is I'm going off to combat to serve my country and the highest thing that I can serve is my country. Pardon me? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't, I'm not, that's, that's a subtle issue and that may have been the case, but my observation from the time I was in and what I see now is you don't see much of that. What we do see is they're very proud of that flag, they should be, we want them to be, but I, what, as, as, we, as we tee up this issue that I want to talk about where we're saying what is it that prevents young soldiers from being spiritually developed, one thing is that the target is to be patriotic and that your country is the highest order you can serve. Everybody, everybody see where I'm going with that? And it's very subtle and I don't want to make a big deal out of it. I just, it's just my personal observation. Okay, let me see. What something 
I'm sure they did that back to the Marines. We did, Ted, you've done, we, we've done this. So that's interesting. That's a unit chaplain out in the fight. We've also, though, got post chapels. What are they designed to do? Well, people are back in garrison, and for the families, they have chapels on post. Chapels and chaplains, interesting topic. A Baptist chaplain, who, a Baptist minister, Baptist pastor, becomes a chaplain. His little bit different ways of baptizing people than the Methodist little bit different views of doctrine in the Lutheran. All these, got, he's got to serve the whole breadth. Now, is that watering down the word? Hard to say. I will say that you, we've got to keep that in, in mind, that first of all, it's a transient society. You get, if you get to go to chapel service, you don't become... A family there because every it's there's never the same set of people sitting in the pews two weeks in a row because everybody's constantly rotating. There's never the structure around it. I'll see all you guys in church every all the time. I'll see you at small group. I'll I'll see you at home. <laughs> you know you know what I mean. We'll see each other on town or whatever. You know we'll so we understand it, but that's not the case. And if you do, you're probably trying to avoid him because it's your first sergeant. You don't want to be around him. Huh? I get, I get, okay. All right. Let me talk a little bit about that real quick. Then. Okay, military faith. I do believe, clearly, soldiers are strong but proud. What's the mentality? What's the, what have you been told all along? You can do it. I can do it. Where am I going with that? Can you do it? You can't do it. But you're told that. You're trained to that. You believe that. And you resist anybody telling you you can't do it alone. What did Brady tell us to do this morning? Put your hands up and surrender. I surrendered today. But by gosh, don't do that in front of your first sergeant. Do you see what's, where I'm going to sort of take in this is the culture itself is starting to compress against young soldiers being able to exp express what they really believe in some senses. think so. Yeah. Now, we'll, we're going to go there. I'm, you, I'm, not, I'm making this look gloomy. We're, I don't want that to be that way, but I'm, I'm trying to, I'm exaggerating a little bit to make a point here if I can. Training schedules. They're, they're constantly training. These are getting in. I, I can't go, honey, I can't go to small group, and I can't go to church because training schedule, I, I got to, and I, oh, by the way, I got to be up tomorrow morning at four. I'll pray when I. I can't. Don't have time to read the Bible. I got to read the field manual. Very very hectic, fast-paced training schedule. Multiple deployments. What we're seeing is 
over and over multi multiple deployments now of soldiers and forces. Fatigue starting to wear in. What happens now when fatigue hits? You just cave, don't you? The enemy gets a little bit louder in the ear. You listen a little bit more, don't you? Oh, I, I don't have to pray. Fatigue hits hard. One of the things that really concerns me is shortage of chaplains in the Army. We don't have enough. As Ted said, they're beat to death. They're, they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed by the end state. When we come back, they're overwhelmed by what's happened. Families have broken up when they come back home. The children without the father are not the same children as when the dad or the mother left. They've grown up. They're going to grow up, right? They're going to grow up one way or another. In many cases it's because that if it's the father not there, something's happened. It's not the same dad or mother who was in combat who comes home. Completely different. The role of the chaplain is to stay engaged in all of that. The role of the chaplain is to prepare, prepare people, prepare young soldiers to go to combat. That's his primary mission. Serve them in combat with a little bit of work after the fact. What's going on now is it's serving multiple rotations and taking care of the people after they've been in combat with some sort of a stress disorder. Not enough time to do the prepared kind of spiritual training. When they do deploy, they deploy with their unit. Young captain, young major is a chaplain that goes with that unit. And now what's happening at Fort Carson is they will activate out of the reserve or the National Guard a chaplain to backfill that person on post. That's a good thing. The bad thing is they don't know anything about that unit. They don't know anything about Colorado Springs and Fort Carson. The good news is New Life Church is here to surround them. Talk to you about that in just a second. I think another big thing to add, too, is you're not necessarily always going to have a Protestant chaplain for a service. You might have a Catholic priest who's you know, gone through the diocese to become a priest. They might actually be doing a Protestant service over the day it might, 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 might see that and you, what you just see is I'm not sure I have to be ordained to do anything you see people you've probably seen this Marines will do this in a heartbeat they're going to gather and pray and have their own service anyway now they don't have trained counselors maybe they don't have kind of a trained people but nonetheless they're going to have that kind of a service here's my concern real quick we do a great job in training our soldiers for the physical fight it's just like the first song we sang today. Was the first one? Counting on God about to... It's, I'm in a fight, but it's not a physical fight. It's the spiritual one. What we do, we do a lot of PT. It's physical training. We don't do PT prayer training, in my opinion, to prepare soldiers to get into combat. I believe, men, right here, this gang right here, can make a difference in that. That's my belief. And my love for soldiers says, if we don't try that, then we're wrong. And I think God has put us here to go out and do something about this problem. I don't like that picture right there. That, makes, that brings tears to me. Something's happened there that's extremely tough. 
And I hope the young man that's crying and that somebody trying to console him, I hope that young man is praying to his Lord and will be comforted by that. Doesn't it, doesn't it grab you? We've, we've also, I mean, okay, what are we going to do, new lifers? Men, can I ask you to do one thing? Can I ask you every day to pray for our soldiers? With just, with incredible power. Just pray that the Spirit will reside in them, that the Spirit will move on them and touch them and they will be spiritually fit to understand what happens to them when they go into combat. That they're going to take on this enemy. They're going to take him on physically. They're going to win that. They know that. What they don't know is that can they, can they win it spiritually. And what we got to do is pray that they understand that with authority and power and say that that's going to happen. It's our job, I believe, to pray that. And that's not something we have to even get out of our seat to do. We can just pray it hard. I, can I get you to enlist in that right there? Simply that we pray for soldiers every day. Okay, we've got soldiers. We've got this young man here. We've got these guys right here. And by golly, we have an opportunity. They're, they're chap, they don't even know their chaplain's name. If, if, the, if we're not taking care of these people and their wives and their kids, we're wrong, I think. I think the Lord put those here, these young people here so we can surround them. And we can help them in their spiritual fight. I challenge every one of you to find somebody and adopt them. Adopt a family, adopt a soldier, adopt an airman. Adopt a marine. <laughs> okay, you know, I, I don't know, yeah, that's a little tough. We don't want to go too far here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right, exactly right. Who? Provide uh, counseling services. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but one thing our church is doing, we're really stepping into this. Brady uh, introduced Matthew Ayers, Pastor Ayers, moved him onto his executive staff out of the missions department, and he's local outreach with a primary focus on military. Brady Boyd, our pastor, has made a commitment that these soldiers will have the support of this church. Now we've got to implement it. And I'm not asking the wives, I'm not asking the kids, I'm asking the, the men of this church to accept that responsibility. But the church is going out doing professional services, counseling services, both, both pre-deployment and post-deployment services. I ask you to adopt a family, a soldier. New Life Church is going to adopt a whole unit. We're in that discussion with Fort Carson as they deploy brigades and deploy their headquarters soon. We will, we will have one of those units that we adopt. What's that mean? We're going to surround them. We're going to, we're going to surround them and be in their lives spiritually. That'll be awesome. Other churches in town are doing the same thing. That's, that's good news. Woodman Valley does this extremely well. Work with the chaplains. I think one of the things we can do, we can be partners with the chaplains. We're starting to create a great relationship with the chaplains in, on post and at, for, at the Air Force Academy at Peterson, at Shriver, at Northcom, where they, they actually have a, a 
a representative of, of the general who, uh, who is, assigns all the chaplains. So we're working very closely with them. And the final thing is, I'm asking you, if nothing else, can we all just pray? Uh, man, I, I just, I just I, I've been a little bit open here on, my, on what's on my heart on this thing. I love soldiers. And I really love what they're doing for our country. I'm con very concerned about their spiritual fitness. And I think we can do something about it. And I'm asking you to come alongside me, come alongside Pastor Brady, gather up as a bunch of men and go out and help support in the best way we can. And if you have other thoughts, this is early. You probably have some other great thoughts, but I appreciate whatever we can do. I'm going to say a closing prayer, and if we would, let's end it in a big hua. Okay. Father, I thank you for this day. I want to especially thank you for these gentlemen that are currently serving in this, this force, these young people. And I just, I just ask, Father, that Father, that you bless those, bless them, that you take care of them, Father, that you train them, prepare them physically, but Father, that you rest inside them, Father, with your spirit, and that they understand that as they go into this fight with confidence physically, that they can win and have victory, that they can do the same spiritually and win this spiritual battle, Father, and that they see that the real service, while we want to serve the country with honor, that it's the real glory is in serving you. Father, just ask that in your almighty name. And all the new life men said together, Hoo! All right, thank you very much.